1: Hello and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and a believer in mummy curses. I'm also a huge fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, and anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm going to share one of my favorite deep cuts with you. So let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune every day so don't leave too soon i'm gonna teach you stuff no, it won't be tough gonna go a year till you've had enough it's today in 1799 a group of french soldiers serving under napoleon bonaparte were in egypt when they discovered what would soon be known as the rosetta stone a black basalt slab inscribed with ancient writing Over the course of two decades and in the possession of two different warring nations, scholars used the stone to crack the code of hieroglyphics, which were, until then, indecipherable in modern language. Thanks to the discovery of the Rosetta Stone, we've been able to read hieroglyphics and learn about ancient Egyptian history, culture, religion, and more. But let's back up. In 1798, when Napoleon was the leader of France, he and his troops invaded Egypt. France was at war with England, as always, and Napoleon wanted to screw up his enemy's trade routes to India, then part of the British Empire. Much of the trade coming from the east was through Egypt's ports, making the African nation a prime spot for colonialist France. There was another reason Napoleon liked Egypt. Its great former empire was something he wanted to emulate. In fact, during a battle against the British aptly called the Battle of the Pyramids in 1798, he allegedly pointed to the pyramids and told his troops, soldiers, 40 centuries, look down upon you. That's a lot of pressure. (laughs) Fun fact about Napoleon and the pyramids, myth has it that also in 1799, Napoleon spent the night alone in the Great Pyramid of Giza, in the king's chamber. Apparently, famed warrior Alexander the Great once did that, and Napoleon wanted to emulate him. Allegedly, while in the pyramid alone, he had a mystical experience and emerged pale and shaken. But this is just a myth. His private secretary wrote in his papers that Napoleon never went inside any of the pyramids. Anyways, back to the Rosetta Stone. On July 19, 1799, a group of French soldiers were on duty near the town of Rosetta, about 35 miles from the port city of Alexandria. They were working to fortify a fort in the area. When they knocked down a wall in the fort, they discovered a 44-inch long, 30-inch white-black slab made of granitoid. The slab piqued the interest of the engineer in charge of the fort project, Pierre-Francois Bouchard. He saw the slab was covered in ancient writing, and he had his team members bring the artifact back to Napoleon. Napoleon had previously told his army to seize all cultural artifacts they stumbled upon to bring back to France—a common move for European armies and conquerors. In this case, Napoleon immediately recognized that the slab was important. It contained writing in three languages: ancient Greek, hieroglyphics, and what experts would later determine as ancient Egyptian Demotic or everyday language. Napoleon reportedly quickly ascertained that the text must be similar in all three languages. At the time, some scholars knew ancient Greek, but hieroglyphics were still a mystery. Napoleon spoke about the stone at the National Institute in Paris that fall. There appears no doubt that the column which bears the hieroglyphs contains the same inscription as the other two, he said. Thus, here is a means of acquiring certain information of this, until now, unintelligible language. Unfortunately for Napoleon, his time with the Rosetta Stone was short. In 1801, the British army defeated Napoleon in Egypt and took possession of the stone. Even before the British had access to the stone, casts and copies of its transcriptions had been sent out to researchers some of whom had actually begun to study its texts, but there were no major Rosetta Stone-related breakthroughs until 1814, when Thomas Young, a British scientist who had contributed important work in the fields of physics, optics, medicine, and mathematics, decided to study the stone as an amusement of a few leisure hours. Some of us play the Sims, and some of us study centuries-old Egyptian artifacts, I guess. Young surmised that the stone's cartouches, or ovals that enclosed groupings of hieroglyphics, were the names of royals. In the ancient Greek text, he found the name Ptolemy, referring to the Greco-Egyptian Ptolemies, who ruled Egypt from 323 to 30 BCE. He was able to then correspond the ancient Ptolemy to the Ptolemy from the hieroglyphics, giving researchers their first jumping-off point to understanding some of the markings. Young was also able to figure out that the demotic script had phonetic symbols, as well as pictures to represent objects, though he did not apply that reasoning to hieroglyphics, which he and everyone else believed were just symbolic images. More on that in just a minute. Young got bored of the Rosetta Stone in 1819 and dropped it, just in time for it to get picked up by one French Egyptologist, Jean-François Champollion. Champollion was a language genius. As a kid, he taught himself ancient languages, including ancient Greek. He was also fluent in a language called Coptic, a more modern Egyptian and Sudanese language that had some grounding in earlier Egyptian. This was convenient, since both ancient Greek and Demotic ancient Egyptian were turning out to be the key to cracking hieroglyphics. And in 1821, he set out to do just that. Jumping off of Young's research, Champollion was able to match even more royals' names, like Cleopatra, to the hieroglyphic text on the stone. He was also able to determine that hieroglyphics were also phonetic signs, like our alphabet, and not just the conceptual symbols like pictograms that Young thought they were. This came to a real head in 1822, when he discovered the hieroglyphic word Ramses. Another Egyptian king was made up of phonetic symbols. He was able to apply this to words outside of the cartouches, and he set out to start cracking the hieroglyphic code for real. Indeed, Champollion did figure out the hieroglyphics. So much so that shortly before he died in 1832, he went to Egypt and read the inscriptions on the pyramids and monuments, something no one had been able to do since hieroglyphics died out 1,400 years prior. And thanks to him, historians have been able to translate these ancient words and learn more about ancient Egypt. Today, you can visit the Rosetta Stone at the British Museum in London. And if you're wondering what the Rosetta Stone says, it's a mass-produced decree that says a bunch of priests at a temple in Egypt support the then pharaoh. It's basically an ancient spam email from Nancy Pelosi. Perhaps one day, centuries from now, researchers will put those in a museum
0: too. This episode is brought to you by Saks.com.
1: Now, let's talk about music. Today in 2019, Peppa Pig released her first album, appropriately titled My First Album. Peppa Pig is a cartoon pig. She is the star of the British Channel 5 and American Nick Jr. show Peppa Pig. She is very tall, and she sings. My First Album was really just a promotion for the show, but it did include the single Bing Bong Zoo, which you will hear incessantly if you ever babysit or look at a small child. Other songs on the album include Rainbow Rainbow, Getting Ready Song, and Jumping in the Muddy Puddles. Happy birthday, my first album. And now for today's final segment, I'll be going into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a July 19th in my life. On July 19th, 2020, I got a hot pear, a hot pear, a hot pink pear love Crocs. Now, if you don't know me, I love Crocs. I'm not even going to lie. I know that they're not the most fashionable thing in the whole entire universe, but I do own four pairs of them and they are so comfortable. One of them has three bands on it. And you know, when you have your Crocs, like you have the strap down, it's called sport mode. And then if you have them up, it's leisure mode. So I can leisure three times harder or go into sports mode three times harder, depending on which direction I have my, my Croc bands. Maybe even splitting them between leisure and sports. That way I can optimize my um, ability to do leisure activities and sporty activities with my one pair of Crocs. We'll see. The possibilities are endless. Thanks for going back in time with me and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can come back tomorrow for more stories from the past. It's 365 with MXM2